Labels. Society makes them. We all wear them. Some labels fit perfect. Some are the wrong size. Some are just plain wrong. Mom said I was a mistake. Dad didn't stick around. I felt lonely, scared, like I didn't fit in. Labels can be powerful, and some labels lie. Only God can give a label that brings hope, confidence, strength, freedom, a new identity, a label big enough to live in. Life gives lots of labels, but there's only one label maker. All right, what's up, guys? Great to see you all. Welcome to Liquid Church. Glad you're here for our spring series, Label Maker. Hey, we need to give a big welcome to all our campuses joining us around New Jersey. Glad you guys are joining us today. Great to have you guys with us. Well, today is going to be a blessing. I think to all our campuses, I'm going to be sharing with you a special message that we're calling Sick to Healed. We are going to flip a label for some people here. This is really all about the power of God. Uh, to heal broken bodies. And today, I want to encourage those of you who are, who are maybe sick or you're struggling with illness or injury or maybe somebody you love is facing a health challenge. Um, today's service is actually going to culminate uh, in a healing prayer experience, which means I'm going to keep the sermon short. So that's your first miracle. And then at the end, we're going to offer live hands-on healing prayer for anybody in need of God's healing touch. Uh, if you're new to our church at Liquid, we really believe in the power of prayer and that God still heals today. Amen. Uh, so Jesus, he's called the great physician for a reason, and we have reason for great hope. Our God is a healing God. Sometimes God will choose to heal our bodies through very natural means like medicine and good health care. Sometimes he use supernatural means, what we call a miracle. Sometimes we have to wait until heaven for the ultimate healing of our bodies. But suffice to say, we were really a church that believes in praying regularly for healing. And today, um, you're sitting beside people who could actually share a personal story or what we call a testimony that they once were sick but God healed them. Uh, let me start with one. Uh, this is a story of hope. It's really a breakthrough blessing that we celebrated last Sunday at our Union County campus in Mountainside. Uh, this is a picture of Amiel and Megan Rivera with their baby boy, Aiden. This is from the baby dedication last week with Pastor Scott. And we do baby dedications all the time, but this one has kind of a special backstory. Uh, Megan actually got pregnant in their first year of marriage uh, with their first son, a boy named Taylor John. But then uh, sadly, in her first trimester, actually miscarried. And so they were, they were heartbroken, understandably. Uh, they tried again. Five months later, she became pregnant again. Another boy, Avery James. But sadly, in devastating, another miscarriage. And so Amiel and Megan tried in vitro fertilization, which gave them great hope. They actually had two fertilized eggs, this time a boy and a girl. And, uh, but last New Year's, they received news that neither were viable. And actually, if they implanted them, Megan would miscarry both. Uh, so as you can imagine, they were just crushed. Just kind of felt like, you know, maybe we're not meant to be parents. Enter God. Uh, Pastor Scott and our prayer team in Mountainside just began meeting and praying regularly with the Rivers, obviously to, to, to comfort and console, just grieve. That's a whole lot of loss. But we prayed that God would, would heal Megan, that he would, would just overcome whatever that was that was causing these, these miscarriages and give them hope in such a difficult trial. And so this past January, uh, Amiel had a dream. He said this, um, in my dream, Jesus had his left arm around Megan and his right arm around me. And in my dream, Jesus said, I healed her womb. 
I cried with my head on his chest, and then I woke up. I quickly told Megan about the dream. We went about our lives, but I kept thinking about it, wondering if it was my longing for God to heal, or was it a dream from God? I decided to believe it was God. One week later, we found out we were expecting. I am so glad to announce the arrival of our miracle and proof that God is real, he's alive and listening. God proved to me and Megan that he's still here and working in our lives, and we're now holding our beautiful son. This doesn't take away the pain we feel for our losses, but we are overwhelmed and so in love with our son. Is that an incredible testimony? I praise God, right? That's an amazing thing, right? That is hope and healing in the wake of multiple miscarriages. And I understand some of you are cynics, and you know, if you're a skeptic, you may be like, oh, well, how do you really know that was God, right? Like maybe something shifted you know, physically or just it was the odds or whatever, and you can think that. But our prayer team was like, we know it was God because we have faith in Jehovah Rapha. That is the name God gives himself in the Old Testament, which means it translates to the God who heals, yeah. And so God gave himself this name as, as the God who heals in the Old Testament. And then in the, the New Testament, Jesus, actually, one of his main ministries was healing the sick. It was to show God's care and compassion for those with broken bodies. What's interesting is if you read the Bible, you'll notice Jesus never turns away anyone who was sick and came to him for healing. He always made time for them that came to him in faith. And I want to show you this in the Bible, kind of our our template for what we're going to do. So you can open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew. This is in the New Testament. It's the first book of the New Testament. And as Jesus began his public ministry, Matthew says uh, his approach went this way. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming or preaching the good news of the kingdom, and doing what? Let's say it together, church. Healing every disease and sickness. So there are two main parts to Jesus' ministry, right? Jesus was a preacher, and Jesus was a healer. That is, he proclaimed the word of God, then he demonstrated the works of God. In other words, you get that? He, he preached the word, then he did the works. And here's how he did it. If you flip to Matthew 8, here's what it says. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy is a skin disease came, knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Well, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. If you notice how Jesus treats people who were sick, he didn't avoid them. Instead, he actually reached out and touched them. Leprosy was a contagious skin condition. But Jesus doesn't say like, all right, you back away over there. Let me get gloves and a mask on. He doesn't cross the street to avoid him. He actually reaches out and touches the man. And somebody who was sick was instantly healed by God. Jesus came to show God has power over sickness and disease. Amen? Wherever Jesus went, you would find that healing was in his hands. In fact, if you keep reading, it says, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servants at home, what's the problem? paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said, you want me to come and heal him? See, whenever Jesus saw somebody who was suffering, his heart, his default response was to help and heal the person. He didn't even care if they were Christian or not. This is a Roman centurion. This is the sworn enemy of God's people. Jesus is like, I don't even care. He simply sees the guy's servant. Maybe it was a butler, a nanny, we don't know. He's paralyzed, he's in a wheelchair or a bed. 
And he says, would you like me to come heal him? And the centurion is kind of like, he's like, uh, you don't even have to come. This is cool. The centurion says, I'm in the military, so I understand authority. If you're the son of God, you just say the word and he'll be healed. And so Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was what? His servant was healed at that moment. Jesus specializes in impossible situations for diseases and disabilities for which there's no human cure. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, you will see Jesus treats blindness, deafness, paralysis. He treats mental illness, including bipolar, manic depression, blood disorders, gynecological issues. It doesn't like gross him out somehow. Almost 40% of Matthew's Gospel are stories of healing. And it's kind of like, well, why, why is there such an emphasis on healing in Jesus' ministry? There's a very simple answer for that. In verse 36 of Matthew 9, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, you and I serve a God of deep and unrelenting compassion. When he looks out on his children, remember, he's Abba Father, we're adopted into his family. And so when he sees his kids suffer, he's moved. That's what compassion, this word compassion actually means moved in the guts. It refers to your bowels and your intestines. Meaning when Jesus saw people who were hurting, it hit him in the guts. He was deeply moved and had desire to help people. And guys, this is the reason why I think God prompted us to include this in our Label Maker series. Because every week I see how many people in our church family are suffering. I received an email from a man at one of our campuses. He said, I came down with Lyme disease and one of the nasty co-infections that can go with it in September. I've been fighting this illness ever since with daily symptoms of headaches, sore throats, stomach pains, chest pains, other symptoms that come and go from these tick-borne illnesses. It's taken a heavy toll on my health, job, family, and most importantly, my relationship with God and serving him. I was leading a small group, serving in outreaches, and all that has come to an end. This is important. Bitterness and skepticism is taking its toll on me, as 14 months and counting is a long time to be dealing with daily sickness. Guys, that's daily reality for a lot of people. Our, our church family is full of men and women who are at their rope's end, and they're desperate for God's healing touch. I mean, in my own family, we've dealt with multiple issues over the years, you know, uh, cancer, depression, infertility, you know, knee issues. This is why we offer healing prayer every Sunday at every campus, because it touches all of us. And I'm like, if it touches our heart, think about how it touches God. How does Jesus feel? You don't have to guess. The Bible tells us when he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion on them because they were harassed. That word harassed in Greek means afflicted. It didn't matter if it was like a trivial pain or something traumatic. Jesus simply had a heart to help. Look at verse 14. It says, when he came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and what happened? The fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. Now, again, as moderns, we read this, and we think, well, that's kind of strange. A woman had a fever. Why didn't Jesus just say, oh, I have some Advil right here. Here, I'll just get, right? Like, we kind of think, like, well, why didn't, you know? Because Jesus doesn't view sickness always in simple terms of, like, germs or physical infection. 
A lot of times Jesus looks under to the spiritual source of illness that you can't always measure through a thermometer. I mean, here he actually rebukes. It means he speaks to a high fever. Now, modern medicine would be like, well, Jesus, this is a virus, okay? And maybe it is. Sometimes a fever, it's just a fever. But sometimes physical symptoms have a spiritual source. If you keep reading, it says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word. And what did he do? He healed all the sick. So some sickness is just physical, right? It's like you've got a broken body. We're living in a broken world. But some sickness, according to Jesus, is spiritual, even demonic in nature. Now, chill out. Don't freak out. We're going to pass out some snakes. It's going to be very calm. Like, we're not going to do that, all right? We're not going to get all crazy and all that kind of stuff. All, all I'm saying is that where you and I typically see physical health problems, Jesus often goes underneath and sees a spiritual stronghold. Remember, the devil's stated goal is to steal, kill, and destroy God's children. And that includes our health. So anytime that Jesus actually heals somebody, it is a counter-assault on Satan's rule. And it restores the image of God in that person. So when God's children, when their health suffer, he takes it personally, right? Like a loving father. He's our Abba, right? I know if my son spikes a fever or something, well, in our house, I lay hand, we pray for him, and then I go to CVS, right? And I get a fever reducer. I'm the earthly father. I will do whatever it takes to make my kids well. If that's me, how much more compassion does your heavenly father have for you? So if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm sick with a disease or an illness or chronic pain, understand Jesus personally identifies with your pain. It does not matter if it's a small C, common cold. It doesn't matter if it's a big C cancer. God says, I have come to help you with this and I want to get personally involved in your healing. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we're going to do today. I also want to let you know, this is what makes Christianity unique among all world religions. If you want to know like one of the reasons that makes Christ followers unique or different than other religions, the doctrine of healing. We actually believe God heals. Hinduism, uh uh-uh. Hinduism doesn't have a doctrine of healing. It has a doctrine of karma. What goes around what? comes around, meaning if you're suffering, you probably deserve it. You did something bad, and now God's getting back at you. Islam, Islam teaches that God has decreed blessing for some, pain for others, and nothing you can do can alter those circumstances. So in Islam, there is no prayer for healing. The thought of praying for somebody to be healed, it's just ludicrous. But the Christian view of God is that your heavenly father is so moved about his children's suffering that he sends his son to enter into our mess, to suffer physically on a cross and experience all the heartache, all the pain, all the trauma that we do on a scale that's unimaginable. And Jesus' death on that cross becomes the power source for supernatural healing. Here's how Matthew sums it up in verse 17. He says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. He took up our what? Infirmities and bore our diseases and by his wounds you are healed. So Jesus's pain had a purpose. So does yours. When Jesus died on the cross, it was the kingdom breaking in, conquering Satan, sin and death. When he rose from the dead, he showed his power over disease and death. And he's like, this is your future, a healed body, whole and well restored to what your father intended. That's actually what it means to be saved. Did you know in the Bible, the word for salvation, it's the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, has two meanings. 
It means salvation, and it means healing, and they're interchangeable. The, the, the Bible doesn't see a distinction. Jesus had power over spiritual sin and as well as physical sickness, and you see this double meaning all through Scripture. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 103, says this, Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Meaning, what are the benefits of following Christ? Who what? Forgives all your sins and what? Heals all your diseases. So the ancients saw salvation as holistic. We're integrated mind, body, and soul. And the goal of God is the restoration of all things. Restoration for our sick and broken planet. Restoration for your sick and broken body. And when Christ returns, we will experience resurrection reality. But right now here on earth, believers still get sick. Mothers miscarry babies. Husbands have heart attacks. People ache with arthritis. In fact, you may be hurting today, but God has the power to heal your body and do a wonderful work. And it's it's great news because today we are going to pray for those of you who've been impacted by cancer or disease or sickness of any kind. I know there are people here who have chronic migraines, uh, who have a problem with uh, their eyes. We just prayed for a woman who has cataracts and glaucoma. Maybe you have an injury, a torn tendon or meniscus or dislocated shoulder or, or depression or dark thoughts. Whatever your sickness, physical, mental, or emotional, you will have a chance today to come up in a few minutes to experience healing prayer from our pastors and our prayer team. Because we not only believe that God still heals today, but that he actually commands his church to pray for healing. Did you know this? In the early church, they made healing prayer one of their main ministries. James is the name of the half-brother of Jesus. He was actually the pastor of the early church in Jerusalem. And he wrote this instruction. He said, is any one of you among you sick? Let them call the church leaders to do what? Two things. Pray over them. And then what? Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And that's what we're going to do today. Your pastors and the prayer ministers that we have at your campus, they've been trained and we are prepared. We're going to offer healing prayer and we are going to be anointing with oil today. Now understand what this is. I just want to be super clear. This isn't like some magic potion, okay? This isn't like snake oil. We're not selling it, okay? Uh, In ancient times, the oil that they used in the Bible was actually probably olive oil that they pressed olives together, so it wasn't magical. But oil, in the Bible, is a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember King David, he says, you anoint my head with what? Oil. In other words, I can feel the Holy Spirit pouring down over me. In fact, here's kind of a cool fact. This is where it was first used. Shepherds in the Old Testament would anoint the heads of their sheep with oil. You know why? To keep away the flies. Flies were carriers of disease and bacteria, and actually the oil would give off an aromatic thing, and they would, and they would go away. So when Jesus says, hey, if anyone's sick, uh, pray over them, anoint them with oil, he's simply telling believers now to do what they did in the Old Testament and then what they did in the New Testament. When Jesus sent out his 12 disciples, here's what it says in Mark 6 they did. They drove out many demons and what? Anointed many sick people with oil, and what happened? It healed them. So understand, in the Bible, oil was used for medicine, and oil was used for miracles. It had two purposes. And Jesus highlighted this, in fact, when he shares the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Guy gets mugged and beaten, left for dead on the curb. A guy comes along the Good Samaritan to help him, and the guy's lying there, and he's bleeding, and he's traumatized. In Luke 10, Jesus says, um, he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on what? 
oil and wine, like salad dressing, right? What's that about? In Jesus' day, that was how you treated a wound. It was an antiseptic. You cleansed and healed it that way. It makes sense, right? Some of you were outside yesterday. Think about what happens, right? If you fall down, you scrape your knee, uh, or you cut your hand, you're working in the yard, what do you do? Well, first, you wash it out with uh, soap and water. But before you put the Band-Aid on, in my house, we put on ointment called Neosporin, right? That, what you're putting on that cut or that wound, it's called ointment. Sound familiar? An ointment. That's where this comes from. So anointing oil represents the healing power of the Holy Spirit. And it's cool to me to see how the Bible links medicine and healing in a holistic way. Because as modern people, we typically think like, oh, they don't have anything to do. Miracles and medicine, they're like two separate things. Faith and science, they're incompatible. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. God's word does not make that distinction. The word of God says that you are a one single integrated human being. God made you body, mind, and soul. It was kind of the Greeks who kind of pulled us apart, but don't fall for that. So our philosophy as modern Christians is that we believe when somebody gets sick, the first thing you do is we pray to God. Because remember, prayer is our first response. It's not a last resort. I talk to so many people who are like, you know, I've gone for this test. I've gone for that diagnosis. I've seen this doctor. I've read a lot on the internet. I don't know. Nothing's working. I'm going to have to pray about this. (laughs) Jesus is your primary care provider, okay? He's a great physician. He's always on call. We pray to God first, but watch. Then we go to the doctor. Because modern medicine is a blessing. It's a boon. It's a gift from God. If you're a physician or a nurse or a therapist or an oncologist, praise God for you. God often uses that as skilled instruments in his hands. So so if you do that, we praise God because you are literally partners with Jesus in his mission to heal and restore broken lives. You are are a partner if you're in the world of healthcare. We're glad for you. So I'm just trying to be super clear about this. Healing prayer doesn't like replace medicine somehow. If you're being, uh, you know, being treated by a doctor, you're going for therapy, or you're taking medication, well, you keep at that. Because we know God uses natural means like medicine, but watch, he also uses supernatural means like prayer to bring health and healing to broken lives. And you never know what he might do through healing prayer. Just ask my friend Tracy. Tracy struggled for a year with a health issue. She actually had chronic um, uh, pain in her nerves and her joints weakness in her legs. The doctors diagnosed fibromyalgia. There's no real cure for it. And this past year, things got uh, increasingly worse. She actually was, you know, she was telling me last week how she was like fixing dinner for her family. Her legs got so weak, she actually just collapsed, fell down in, in her kitchen. But a few weeks ago, she received healing prayer from Pastor Mike, and God did something amazing. This is her story. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia about 13 years ago, and I also had a few strokes. I couldn't walk, or my hips wouldn't work, or I had pains and headaches. Had a hard time just walking. I would lose my balance and fall frequently. I lost my ability to speak well. I stuttered, and I always used the wrong word for things probably 20 times a day. I just did everything I possibly knew to do to get myself well and um, nothing was working. And I thought, I'm gonna have to quit my job, you know, and, and then I kinda got scared and I thought, God, you know, my youngest is now in high school, maybe, maybe you let me live for a while and then maybe this is when I'm gonna get sick again and die. You know, I had that fear. 
I was talking to Pastor Mike on Facebook. So I said, Pastor Mike, can you just pray for me? Because I'm, I'm not doing well again. I, I feel like I can't walk. I'm having a hard time with stairs and it's kind of scary. Could you pray for me? And he said, he said, oh yeah, I'll come over to your job and I'll just pray for you this week. I'm coming over. And he came and he had his anointing oil and we chatted and then he, uh, he anointed my head with oil and he put his hand on my head. And when he prayed for me, it was so powerful. Like it was just very anointed. And I just felt the presence of God. It was just so heartfelt. And I felt so loved and so cared for. And I thought, okay, well that was nice of him to do that. And I didn't think much more of that until later in the afternoon around one or two o'clock. I thought, man, I feel awesome. Like I have energy. I feel like I could just go jogging. Wait a minute. I. I think I'm healed. I feel better. I'm like, oh, I don't even want to say it. I was afraid. Like, <gasps> I waited a week before I contacted him because I just want to make sure, like, is, did this healing stick? Is it for real? Um, and sure enough, you know, I've been well ever since. Just like I went to like 20 different doctors over so many years trying to get help, and I took whatever medicines or whatever they prescribed to me, why wouldn't I go to God and say, God, what do you have for me? And let people pray for me. If God chooses to heal or not, if the healing manifests or not, it doesn't change my heart for the Lord and my trust in Him always that He is good, regardless. Isn't that cool? That's such a cool story. Again, that just happened uh, in the last couple weeks here. See, we do this all the time. Guys, we pray for healing like all the time. We always do it from the main stage. We pray, you know, behind the scenes in our team huddles. We offer prayer after the services. We do it in coffee shops, you know, at the office, wherever. And this kind of stuff happens all the time. But we, it was funny, Tracy said to me, she said something so interesting. She's like, I said, were you nervous actually to, to you know, be anointed with oil? And she's like, I figured what's the worst that can happen? Uh, she said, what, nothing happens? And then I walk away feeling loved and cared for, you know, by one of God's people. So understand when you come forward for prayer today in a few minutes at your campus, we're going to do what you just saw in the video. We're going to gently anoint your forehead with oil and the sign of the cross, and that is to signify that all healing ultimately comes from one source. It's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And here's what James says can happen. He says, in the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, the Lord will what? Say this phrase, raise them up. I mean, that literally happened to Tracy. God raised her up. God can heal in an instant what mere medicine can't touch. But watch, be careful. Because sometimes well-meaning people manipulate this verse to say, like, it's a guarantee everybody has to get healed, right? Which, which seem, seems like, well, it seems like a promise. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. See, it's a guarantee, right? Like, if you just have enough faith, God has to heal you, which flies in the face of reality, right? God, sometimes God heals. But sometimes people stay sick. Sometimes they don't get better. In fact, they get worse. What gives? How do you reconcile that? Guys, it's very important that you and I remember where we are in the larger story of God, okay? Right now, we are living between the resurrection of Christ and the return of Christ, which means that, the, yes, Satan is defeated, the victory's won, but the battle is still underway. They're still fighting. There's battles to be fought. Let me, let me illustrate this with a uh, World War II example. You guys know what uh, D-Day is? You guys know D-Day, right? This is when the Allied forces stormed the beaches of Normandy. This is June 1944. Uh, the Americans landed in Normandy, and they kind of, uh, it was their gateway into Europe uh, to defeat Hitler and the Nazi war machine. And every historian will tell you 
that D-Day, that day was the decisive moment in World War II that turned the tide. The moment the Allies invaded Europe, everybody knew it was just a matter of time before Hitler was defeated and Germany would have to surrender. Even Hitler knew it in his writing. He actually, they found journals where he said, this is going to be the end. But he kept on fighting for over a year until V-Day. And what's V stand for? Victory. That's when actually Germany, Japan officially surrendered and peace was restored. Now, here's the interesting part. Guess which part of World War II had the most fatalities, the bloodiest battles, the most lives were lost? The time between D-Day, the great invasion, and V-Day when the victory was won. The most lives were lost. Guys, that's where we are as modern Christians. You and I, in God's timeline of history, are between D-Day and V-Day. D-Day happened When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he died on a cross and he rose again. The kingdom invaded, the kingdom came. He defeated Satan's sin and death. Victory's guaranteed, we got a taste of resurrection reality. But is victory complete? Not yet. We are still waiting for V-Day. That is the return of Jesus Christ when he will declare victory and defeat Satan's sin once and for all, usher in his kingdom. And then he says, here's the new reality. There'll be no more mourning, death, crying, pain, sickness, tears, or death. Amen? So right now, this is where you and I are living in God's larger story. You and I live in the time between D-Day and V-Day and the battle still rages on. Our enemy knows he's defeated, but the devil's still fighting. He's still dangerous. And here's what that means. It means Christians still get cancer and some get healed and others don't. The kingdom has come now, but it's not yet fully here. And that's why some people are healed and some aren't. I see this all the time when actually I pray for people. Uh, Recently, I had a woman come up to me and she said, Tim, I need to tell you something that happened four years ago. Uh, and she was there with another man and didn't introduce him right away. He said, here's the deal. You prayed for me four years ago during the series, God is Greater Than Cancer. She said, I was single in my 40s, and I was diagnosed with cancer, and I was not married, and I thought, this is how it ends for me. She goes, but you offered prayer. We came forward. You anointed me with oil. She said, and here I am. I want you to know four years later, I am completely cancer-free, and this is my fiancé, Sam. We're getting married. Praise God for healing, right? Sometimes, yeah, right? Sometimes heaven's power breaks through to earth. That's why we call things like miracles. By definition, they're not normal. They don't happen all the time. It's a foretaste of our future victory. But watch. I also prayed for a friend two months ago who was in the hospital, had brain cancer. And he went through chemo and radiation, and we prayed around the clock for God to raise him up. We anointed him with oil. We prayed and prayed in the hospital, but he died. He'd passed away. But here's the hope. Because he trusted in Christ, we know right now he's in the presence of the Lord fully what? Fully healed. No more pain. He was raised up to heaven. So there's a double meaning here in James. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will what? Raise them up. God says, I'm going to raise some of my people up in this life, but I'll raise all you up in the life to come. Either way, you will be raised. Amen? You have victory. So understand, if you're not healed, you know, instantly or it's gradual or not at all, it's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because you don't have enough faith. It's just not what your father is doing today. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. And sometimes the father heals. Essentially, it's this, if you're new. At Liquid, we avoid extremes. You'll never hear us say things like, you know what, uh, uh, it's God's will today for all of you to be supernaturally healed. If you have just enough faith, God has to do it for you. Why? 
There's a problem with that. Because I want you to think that right now in your row, there's somebody who's suffering. And now we're going to raise the promise of future healing to the level of a guarantee for this life. And then if it doesn't happen, whose fault is it? Woo, you. On top of your sickness, you don't have enough faith. Now a hurting, suffering person has guilt and shame heaped on top of their injury. That's spiritually abusive. That's destructive. It's even more damaging. Guys, you got to steer clear of healing ministries like that. You want a balanced biblical view of healing that avoids hype or false hope. Our job is simply trust Jesus, invite the, the healing presence of the Holy Spirit, and trust our Abba Father with the outcome. As James concludes, he says, the prayer of a righteous person is what? Two words, powerful and effective. In this church, we have seen God do some powerful things, okay, even at the last service. Um, through prayer, we have actually seen, you know, migraines and chronic headaches leave instantly. We have seen people um, who actually, while we're praying, they experience kind of heat on their neck or on their back, or they say, I kind of feel like pins and needles. That's just the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's a fancy word for saying that the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is literally touching your body. We've seen chronic back, wrist, knee pain leave in Jesus' name. We have seen people fully healed. We've seen people partially healed. We've seen people gradually healed. The point is this. There is no pressure. When you come forward for prayer, we're just trusting our Heavenly Father that he loves us, and we're asking him to touch our lives with his love. What's the worst that happens? You feel cared for and loved by another believer. So you take the risk. You come forward in just about two minutes because God may have a wonderful work of healing for you today like he did for Tracy. Tracy wasn't expecting that. So I'm going to invite our pastors and our prayer team to come forward at each campus. And uh, come on up, guys. Stand under the side screens at our campuses. And as they assemble, I'm going to invite those of you, it could be physical, uh, emotional, mental sickness, come on down, guys, um, to come on up here. Maybe you have a chronic condition or a nagging injury. Um, I talked to people the last service who were like, I'm going for surgery or a scan, you know, soon, or you're struggling maybe. Uh, someone who has a, this was helpful, you know, someone who has an addiction, uh, like smoking. Uh, she was like, I tried the patch, but never tried prayer, Okay. We believe God's greater than addiction, amen? And so we're going to pray, and we're just going to anoint every man and woman in this room who wants to experience the healing touch of God. We know the Holy Spirit's here. He's going to touch some of you, so you come forward in faith. And when you do, here's what's going to happen. Our pastors and our prayer leaders are going to ask you three questions. The first thing they're going to ask you is, have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Because we're praying in his power, and we're praying in his name. This isn't like we're praying to the, the spirit of healing. The greatest healing that you can receive is the forgiveness of your sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you haven't invited Christ to be your Savior, our prayer leaders are ready to lead you in a prayer of salvation. And then we'll ask, what sins do you need to confess to the Lord? There's a final detail that James mentions here in verse 16. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be what? Healed. The Bible draws a connection between confessing our sins and being healed by God. In other words, there's a direct link between the health of our bodies and the health of our heart, our souls. So the truth is, some sickness is the result of destructive behavior, sin even. I'm not being judgmental. This is just a fact. If you're an alcoholic and you've spent decades beating up your liver, can God heal cirrhosis of the liver? Of course he can. But first, you need to repent of the addiction that's killing you. You confess it. 
Let us pray with you and ask the Holy Spirit to free you from that power. And you confess your sins, we'll proclaim the forgiveness of Christ over you. And then we're simply going to ask, where do you need healing? Where does it hurt? Physical, mental, and you just be specific to say, it's my rotator cuff. Or I have, you know, nerve damage, a, a lump in my breast, or pain in my back, or pain in my marriage. We also pray for God's healing in relationships where there's conflict or unforgiveness. If your whole family wants to come forward, we'll pray for you together. And then we're going to do what you saw Pastor Mike do. We're going to anoint your forehead with oil and invite the Holy Spirit just to come and touch you with God's love and power. Sound good? All right, let's bow our heads together and invite the Holy Spirit. Father, we come now into your presence, and we're bold, God, because we are your children adopted through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's power in his blood. By Christ's wounds, we are healed. So God, we ask, Holy Spirit, come. Release heaven's healing power, just as a sign of the Father's love. Not just to, to make our lives easier, but God, in this moment, even in the next few minutes, would you just glorify Jesus? Let us see his heart of compassion. Lord, in Jesus' name, I uh, just cancel any spirit of fear that people may have or doubt God, would you just fill this room with great faith in the healing presence of the Holy Spirit? Jesus, we just say, you have authority to touch and heal your people. So open our hearts now. Pour out your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.